24 verses here, but this is so important because chapter 3 of the book of Genesis helps the rest of the Bible make sense. Uh, Because we have a love story of God coming to us and redeeming us, and until we understand why we need to be redeemed, uh, I mean, this, this chapter lays it all out for us. And so uh, it's a very important chapter as we think about, we, we call this chapter the fall of man, as if he kind of tripped up and fell. But, I mean, obviously there's more to it than that. Uh, a decision was made. But let's read it together. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. A very important uh, lesson in preaching is uh, before you, you do a deep dive study in a book, don't preach a sermon the Sunday before on that chapter. Because <laughs> you 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 gave all your stuff away. No. We'll get through it. I, I don't think I repeat myself at all, actually, from Sunday, which uh, there's so much here. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. Maybe a couple of things. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened. And ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, this is God, who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the, the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust thou shalt eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. 
In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now again, this is what theologians would call the fall of man. And this is how sin entered into the line of humanity. Sin didn't begin with Adam and Eve. Sin began with Lucifer in heaven as he was cast out. But we see that this is where uh, sin had corrupted the, the lineage of man, the line of man, of humanity. Someone wrote this about Genesis chapter 3, and I mentioned at the introduction, if this scripture didn't exist, then we would not have the rest of the Bible because the rest of the Bible records for us the consequences of sin and what God in his grace did to rescue us. So Genesis chapter 3 is a very important part of our Bibles. It, it really gives to us and reveals to us what is happening with humanity. Now, Romans chapter 5 doesn't make sense unless we understand uh, Genesis chapter 3. For as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. The disobedience of Adam brought sin to the human race. Now, all through the Bible, from Genesis chapter 3, and this is really where it begins. So, from Genesis chapter 3 all the way through the Bible to Revelation chapter 21, what we find here is a conflict. And this conflict is between God and Satan. And I'd mentioned this before in my messages and, and preaching and teaching that uh, Satan hates us because ultimately Satan hates God. And if you are a Christian today, a little Christ, if you are born again, then, then Satan hates you because you are a child of God. 
And so I'm, I'm going to break this all down verse by verse. We're going to go through this. We're going to look at some different ideas of what people believe and where they pull from this text. But I, I think this will be a, a wonderful time together as we study these verses. Uh, number one, if you're taking notes, I only really have two main points in these 24 verses. I, I want us to look at, first of all, the adversary, the adversary. Now, Satan has the ability um, to, to uh, and the power, I guess, to influence uh, in our world today creation. I, I believe we see that in, in a number of times throughout the Bible. Uh, but the Word of God does not focus as much on the power of the devil, though I believe he's much more powerful than you and I. Um, but it focuses on the trickery, the wilds of the devil. That's important because it really gives us an understanding of how of the devil attacks the, the Christian. That's why Paul told the church at Ephesus, he said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the trickery of the devil. And so that's how the, the devil, uh, that's how he attacks. Now, at this particular point in our text, though we don't have a complete timeline of all the events, uh, we know that at this point, Satan has fallen from heaven. He's cast out of heaven. He's cast to the earth. Isaiah 14 and verse 12 uh, helps us to understand that. Uh, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Uh, how art thou cut down to the ground, uh, which does weaken the nations? And so he's cast to the earth. And right at the very beginning here of creation, it doesn't take uh, long in the creation of the world and the creation of humanity for Lucifer to make himself known and to make his impact uh, upon humanity. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, 1, and we're going to go through this verse by verse. Look at what the Bible says here in verse number 1. It says, now the serpent. Now, that, that expression there in our Bible is adding some, emph uh, some emphasis here. And, and so what the Bible is doing, it's, it's, it's really uh, adding emphasis to the serpent and the subtlety uh, of, of the serpent. Now, I mentioned Sunday morning that the serpent would have been a, a beautiful creature. Uh, he would have had legs. He would have uh, walked upright. A lot different than the serpent that we think of today. Uh, and this, this was a, a creature, of course, that uh, was beautiful and the creation of God. And uh, it's, it's interesting, the, the Hebrew word that's used here in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, where it says the serpent is more, uh, it was more subtle than any beast of the, of the field. The Hebrew word there for subtle is the word arun, A-R-U, uh, arum, A-R-U-M. And it's, it's interesting because it's very close to the Hebrew word for naked, which is arumium. Uh, and, and so I, I think that when we look at this passage of Scripture and see that there, there's more that's happening here that meets the eye, uh, we would understand that, um, that the subtlety of the serpent is coming from a different source and that Lucifer, the devil himself, had possessed this beautiful creature of God and he would come to trick Adam and Eve, and, and I'm going to jump to various scriptures here uh, to give us some light here. Comparing scripture with scripture uh, is very important. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 says this. It says, 
but I fear. Now, this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And that, that word there, subtlety here, it, it has the idea of, of wisdom, wise, or craftiness. And this was the craftiness or the wisdom uh, of the, the devil. And, and the devil is wise. Uh, we could go to uh, Ezekiel chapter 28 in verse 12. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12. Uh, the Bible says, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, and this is using an earthly king to illustrate Lucifer and his reign and his power. And the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. And this is, this is the devil. If, if we had the ability to be able to see Lucifer today, uh, the devil, we would be very surprised of his countenance. I believe it's in the book of Revelation where it makes a statement as, as the, the, the devil is presented that the nations are saying, this is him, this is the one. That, that deceived the nations. This, this is the one that, that caused so much trouble in the world. And so the countenance of, of Lucifer is very different than that's projected in our society today. Our world today would say that Satan, you know, has that red suit and, pitch, and a pitchfork, and that's how he's presented. But that is not what the Bible says about Lucifer. He was perfect in beauty. He was, he was full of wisdom. Uh, he was powerful, and, uh, and of course, he was created by God. And so Satan took what God had created, and this is an important truth for us to understand. Satan had taken what God had created, this serpent. It wasn't as repulsive as we see snakes today. This beautiful creature that God had created, and he used that creature for evil and for wickedness. And, and by the way, that's what the devil is still doing in our world today. He's corrupting what God has called good, what God has called wholesome, what God has called right. And he uses it for his own uh, evil imagination. So how did, how did Lucifer uh, approach Eve? What was, what was his tactics? Well, I think we understand in verse 1 that he attacked her mind. He attacked her mind. He didn't overwhelm her or overpower her in strength, but he attacked her mind. Look what the Bible says again in verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said... Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So a couple of thoughts we have to understand. Number one, Satan knew that Adam and Eve were not to take of that fruit. You, you know, Satan is aware of what's happening in, in the world. And, and, and I would even say that Satan knows the Bible better than we know the Bible. He's aware of what God said and what God has commanded. And Satan was very much aware of what God has, had said here. And so 
right away when we open the Bible and we read chapter 3, the first thing that really pulls our attention here is, is wow, a serpent speaking. How, how can that be? How, how is that even possible? Uh, when we read the Bible, there's only one time in the Bible when I read about an animal speaking, and that was, uh, was what animal? A donkey, Balaam's donkey. And that was, that was God doing that work. Now, there are animals in, in our world today that can form words and can speak, uh, but they don't have intelligent conversations with you. And, and with uh, the, the instance of Balaam's donkey, we see an intelligent conversation that's taking place where the donkey is rebuking Balaam for his actions. And, and God did that work. That was, that was God's doing. And so a lot of people have a problem here when they would say, well, okay, so the devil possesses a snake and the snake begins to talk. When there are no other times in the Bible where the devil has that ability to make an animal talk. And, uh, well, you could say, well, maybe there is a time in the Bible where the devil makes an animal talk, and that's Genesis chapter 3. That could be be, uh, the reason. Now, there are some that believe, and I'll give you a couple of of ideas that are are out there. There are some that believe that in a perfect environment in the Garden of Eden, that animals could talk, Uh, that that Adam and Eve had uh, conversations with the animals. Uh, Others believe that the serpents had the ability to speak or to form words, and the devil used that ability uh, for his own craftiness and wickedness. Uh, we know that Satan used the snake, uh, the Bible, throughout the Word of God. Satan, right from the very beginning in the book of Genesis chapter 3, Satan never escapes that analogy that's used throughout the entire Bible. God refers him as the serpent. And so he, he, it sticks. I mean, he is the serpent. Revelation 12 and verse 9 of the great dragon was cast out. And this is how it describes the devil. It says that great dragon was cast out. That old serpent is how God refers to him. And the Bible says, called the devil. And in Revelation chapter 20, verse 2, the Bible again says, and, uh, and he, God, laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil. Now, here's my opinion, my personal opinion here, where I would lean within the interpretation, uh, is uh, I would lean on that the serpent was given the ability as he was possessed by the devil. He was given the ability to talk, and that came from the devil himself. And so with that interpretation in mind, a lot of people will say, well, how come Adam and Eve, they weren't shocked by the fact that there was a devil that talked uh, or a serpent that talked? Well, a couple of things I think that we have to understand is, number one, they were placed in a garden where everything was new to them. Remember, they didn't learn how to communicate or to speak. Uh, They were created with that ability. And all the knowledge and wisdom that they had was all God-given. And so they didn't have all the answers, of course, of everything that was happening in the garden. And so they didn't know any better that a serpent could not speak. And maybe they wondered uh, if other animals could speak as well. Another thought that we have to remember is that just because the Bible doesn't record for us that they responded 
uh, in shock that the serpent spoke, uh, it doesn't mean that they didn't do that. It just means that maybe the Bible didn't record it for us. We, we don't have uh, that written down, but that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Of course, when the Bible is silent, we're also silent, and so we don't know that answer. What we do know is that this serpent, this beautiful creature of God, he begins to speak. And the very first thing that he says is attacking the mind of of Eve, we find that he questions the word of God. Now, listen, Adam and Eve had a command. And they may not have pages and pages of the word of God like we have here today, but they had God's word. God had spoken to them, and it was their absolute authority. Their creator gave to them truth, and they were responsible for that truth. And the very first thing that the devil says to Eve is he questions, he causes doubt in the mind of what God has said to them. And this is what Satan is doing in our world today. The Bible says this, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto, the, unto them. The devil is blinding the minds of people so that they do not see Jesus Christ as their Savior, as their hope, as their way for salvation. And so this is a spiritual battle, of course, uh, that we are engaged in every day. And sometimes as Christians, we share the word of God with people and we get upset. We say, why don't you understand I don't understand how you can't see this. But you have to remember that many times their minds are blinded and they cannot see the truth. Why we are involved in a spiritual battle. And Satan is attacking the minds of people. God is not the author of confusion. You can write it down in 1 Corinthians 14.33. But that doesn't mean the Satan, that Satan is not. And Satan wants to confuse. And so Satan comes to Eve here. And Satan says, did God really say that? Now that's the doubt that is being cast here. Uh, the words of the devil form a question. And it would seem that Satan here, this serpent, is trying to get Eve to doubt God. Did God really say that is true? And and by the way, when you look at this passage of Scripture and and by asking a question, talk about the subtlety of the devil. I mean, he's implying that he's ready to be corrected. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did God really say that? You know, it, it, it almost sounds like he's pious and humble. Did God really say that? But yet he's forming this question, to cause doubt. And what he's saying in this scripture here, and I I understand that we're only in verse one here, but what he's saying here is that God is unfair to you. God is unfair to you 
to not allow you to eat of all the trees in the garden. And the question is, you know, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Have God really, did God really say that? Is God really holding back on you? Is he holding back from all the other trees? And so the Bible says, now the serpent was more subtle than the beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, have God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. I think it's also interesting here, as you look at the Hebrew construction of this verse, uh, that the devil, he uses the name of the Lord uh, Elohim, which is, you know, a loving redeemer, but he doesn't present God as the sovereign God, Yahweh. You know, have God said, you're loving redeemer, you're caring God. Why would God, who is so loving, hold back from you? That's how the devil is presenting uh, this. And so, again, we see uh, Lucifer here speaking through this snake. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 44, the Bible says, Ye are of your father, the devil. He's speaking of those who are not Christians, okay? And, and Jesus knows the heart of, of every individual. And, and when Jesus speaks, you listen to what he has to say because he, he knows everything happening in your life. And he says here to these Pharisees, ye are, of, ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. That speaks all the way from being cast from heaven. And then the Bible says, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so we find in the scripture here, we find that this, this lie of the, of, the, of the devil is attacking the mind of Eve. And, and notice Eve's response here in verse number two. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it lest he die. Now, I want to go back to that command, okay? So let's go back to Genesis chapter 2, and, and let's read it straight from what God said here in his inspired word. And, and notice what God said to Adam. God spoke this, com this command to Adam, and then Adam was to give this command to Eve. And so the Bible says in verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. That's a pretty straightforward command there. I don't think we have to take much time to interpret it. But instead of fleeing, as the devil, you know, brings up this question of doubt, instead of fleeing, which is what the Bible says about evil, to get away from it, she engages in, in dialogue. And, and I believe that this is important. I believe the reason why that Eve, she gets involved in dialogue, she answers back, she has a conversation. I believe the reason why is because I think it proves that Eve didn't believe that the serpent was an enemy. She didn't think that she was in trouble. The devil presents himself as an angel of light, as good and wholesome. 
And so she begins to have a conversation here with the, with the, with the serpent. And Eve simply says, listen, we may eat of all the trees in the garden. We, we can eat of the trees, um, but we're not allowed to eat of the one tree, the one tree. And, and then Eve adds this phrase, neither shall we touch it lest we surely die. Now, I personally don't believe that, um, that this is, I know a lot of preachers will say, well, Eve is adding to the word of God. I, I don't believe that she is. In my own personal opinion, it was a common Hebrew expression that was used. And the idea of to touch it was the idea of to consume it. And, and I think that what Eve is saying here is Eve is saying, listen, we're not allowed to take of the fruit of that tree and we're not allowed to consume it. We're, you know, in order to eat it, you're going to have to touch it. And I think what she's saying there is we're not allowed to eat it. We're not allowed to consume that, that tree. We're not allowed to take of the, of the fruit of that tree or we will die, or we will die. And so uh, some have suggested in, in one of the books I was reading on the book of Genesis, one individual suggested that the response of Eve to Lucifer was very casual, and, and that they said that it would seem to them that, uh, that Eve was wavering on God's command and, and that she was losing confidence in what God uh, was saying and Maybe that's why the devil was pouncing because he knew that she was wavering. And maybe she, uh, the devil knew that she was discontent, uh, that she wanted to take of, of that tree. And so notice the devil's lie here. The devil's lie. Wow, where did our time go? Uh, so in verse number four, the Bible says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye, not, ye shall not surely die. Now that's a direct, you know, a, a direct lie from the devil here, and he's going against everything that God had declared. Let me read this. This is written by uh, Warren Wearsby uh, in his commentary about temptation. I thought this was excellent. Here's what he said. He said, a temptation, a temptation is an opportunity to accomplish a good thing in a bad way. A temptation is the opportunity to accomplish a good thing in a bad way. It's a good thing to want to pass your exams, but the bad way would be cheating. That's the temptation. It's a good thing to pay your bills, but the bad way would be to steal the money. And, and the devil's response to Eve was directly saying against God, you are not going to die. God has been lying to you. God is holding back. This is a direct denial of what God had commanded. And, and this is where I'll end here tonight. But at this very time, and this, this is what temptation does for us. Temptation brings us to a crossroad. And at this very time in Genesis chapter 3, Eve had a choice, because we always have a choice. She could choose to believe the serpent, or she could choose to believe God. But she had a choice to make. And, uh, and we're going to look at what led to the choice that she made and, and uh, you know, some, some, theolo some theology in, in the response of the devil as he says, you know, you'll be a god if if you do this, and uh, we'll look at all that. We have uh, 
much more to go through as we study this. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word, and we're grateful.